Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. When a major heat wave hit California this month, the state's grid operators there decided one way to keep the lights on was to reduce demand. They pleaded with customers to conserve power, turn off their air conditioners, stop charging their electric vehicles, and dim their lights. That strategy worked temporarily and marked a win for conservation proponents. But experts say that solution is not sustainable for a variety of reasons. So today, we chat with Politico's Catherine Morehouse about the crucial questions facing power grids as extreme weather events become more frequent and what grid operators should and can ask of customers. It's Friday, September 23rd. So, Kat, officials in California managed to avoid blackouts during record heat waves this month, but they didn't exactly do it in a way that's sustainable going forward. So what do you mean by that in your reporting? Well, what the grid operators ultimately had to do was they had to appeal to customers and basically say, hey, you know, we know it's really hot out and we know you want your air conditioners running right now, but we really need you to turn down your air conditioners, stop using electrical devices and just really conserve power. And ultimately that plea worked. But what folks have pointed out is that can't be the default. And The other thing folks point out is you also need to make sure that if people are turning down their air conditioners and basically kind of sacrificing a lot for the greater good of the grid, then they need to be compensated for that. This can't just continue to be a voluntary program because after 10 days, which is how long these alerts were out, people are going to get tired and they're going to start to question, why is this my job to basically save the grid here? Right. And the success, though, of conservation here is obviously a boon to people who've been promoting kind of the demand side of the equation as far as addressing when the grid is under stress. How can we help things? So what would be maybe a more thoughtful and reasonable way of encouraging people to use less energy during times when the grid is stressed? Right. So what people are proposing is a much more kind of sophisticated and automated way of basically doing what we saw last week, which is, you know, conserving power. And what they propose is a system-wide program of demand response, which is a program where ratepayers get compensated for basically allowing companies to hook devices up to their homes that will kind of as people put it, tinker with the electronics in the background. So if we know that it's going to be a really hot day and there's going to be a lot of power demand at this certain hour, then maybe a device like your washer, for instance, will get turned down or maybe maybe your water heater will be turned down a few degrees. And kind of the idea is there are a lot of little ways that you can adjust the everyday electronics in your house that you won't even notice, but that will provide a benefit to the grid. But then you would still get, it would be, you know, something that these consumers also get paid for. So they would see a return basically to compensate them for the value that they provide to the grid. So that's kind of the vision. But I think what we saw last week is is we're not quite there yet. Gotcha. And then there is another side of this equation as far as how to lessen the stress on the grid during extreme weather. So grid operators say that just asking consumers to use less electricity isn't a long-term solution. So what are they saying is a better option? So what I think regulators and lawmakers and really, like you said, grid operators and everyone who's been in charge of the grid for a long time has always 
thought of, traditionally thought about building more capacity as a way to basically match supply and demand, which is what the electric grid has to do every day, right? And what a lot of people point out is it's not just about increasing supply in order to meet demand. You also need to think about ways to decrease demand in order to meet supply. And California in particular certainly has its share of supply problems. And certainly that's an issue that, that they also have to grapple with. But people have pointed out that they're, that we have not properly kind of taken advantage of all of the potential that there is for reducing demand in order to match those two sides of the equation. But grid operators, frankly, are are coming around to the benefits of demand-side resources more and more. We saw in the California ISO that, that the grid operator repeatedly said this was a huge boon to the grid. This really saved the grid. And I I think that conversation just kind of proves that it is worth investing in and thinking about not just how do we build more power plants and build more supply to meet our increasing share of electricity. Because remember, we've still got to bring EVs online. We've still got to electrify the economy. But also thinking about how do we tinker with demand at certain times in subtle ways that consumers won't even notice to also kind of match on that side. Also, on Thursday, President Joe Biden announced that the federal government will pay 100% of the costs of Puerto Rico's recovery from Hurricane Fiona for the next month. The move would expand the federal role just one day after Biden issued a major disaster declaration for Puerto Rico. That declaration had made federal funds available to Puerto Rico on a cost-sharing basis for debris removal, emergency protective measures, and other services. For context, disaster recovery expenses are often shared with the federal government paying 75% and in some cases 90% of the costs, while state and local entities cover the rest. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Nirmal Malaykal is the podcast producer. Raghu Manuvalan edited the show this week. Jenny Amens is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.